Greetings, everyone. Welcome to D Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Corinne Feltman is a registered nurse and the author of Fit, Fierce, and Fabulous Over 50. Her work focuses on holistic health for women over 50. Please click like to help be green with Amy. Welcome, Corinne Feltman. Greetings and welcome, Corinne. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, this is so exciting. You had been out of the country and you're temporarily back in the States so we can do this broadcast. So I'm really happy that you're taking some of the time that you are having on your visit to visit with us. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Now, today, Corinne is going to share her incredible journey from discovering that she had lipedema, which we're going to talk about what that is, if you're not familiar, to being what she terms fit, fierce, and fabulous over 50. <laughs> and, and living with lipedema, as we're going to learn, can have a real impact on people, both physically and emotionally. And it's, it's disheartening that many people struggle to find information on resolving this condition. And what we're going to learn is there are even a lot of medical doctors that are not even aware that this condition exists. So we're super excited to hear your empowering story and see your expertise as you share a whole food plant-based anti-inflammatory recipe demo too. So not everyone is familiar with lipedema, Corinne. Can you tell us about it? And, and we're going to soon engage our green warriors in the conversation with our true or false. Sure. Um, so lipedema, well, I guess let me tell you a little bit about my story. Do you want me to tell okay. you that first? Yeah, and sure. I'll you, and I'll just lead into the lipedema part. Excellent. Because, because I live and work in Nepal. I live and work in a village about nine miles from the border of Tibet. Um, I don't have running water. I don't have plumbing in my house. I have to haul my water from the river. Um, I wash my clothes in the river and that's where I bathe. And like, it's a very, very difficult, physically difficult life. Um, it's a very simple life in certain ways, but it's definitely physically challenging. Um, and very quickly, I started having trouble with my mobility and getting some increased pain in my legs and in my back. Um, my legs felt very heavy. I was having trouble getting up from the floor um, and standing, getting up off the floor. And in Nepal, you sit cross-legged in front of people on the floor a lot. So that was challenging. And I just noticed that every day my pain was increasing and my mobility was decreasing. I wasn't even 50 years old yet at the time. I moved to Nepal when I was 45. And this was, I was about 49 when I really started to struggle. And at one point I was at my apartment in Kathmandu on the couch and I couldn't get up. I couldn't get to a position where I was comfortable enough and where my legs would function enough for me to be able to stand. And I had to lower myself onto the floor and then like pull myself up on a table to a standing position. And I remember thinking, I feel like I'm 80. And then I thought, I know 80 year olds that don't feel like this. This isn't okay. So a friend said to me, you know, what's going on? And I said, I feel like I'm dying and I don't know why. Um, and so that started me on a journey to find out what was wrong. I have always been active. I've always been healthy. I've always 
eaten well and had a good lifestyle. And so there was no reason that this should be happening. I found that my weight was also increasing. I was getting some swelling and my legs were getting bigger. No matter what I did, I could lose some weight on the top, but the bottom kept getting bigger and the top kept getting smaller. Long story short, I joined an exercise and weight loss program online and they have a forum where women go and post pictures in like their underwear, their swimsuits, and there's a starting point. And then every so often you post new pictures and people kind of cheer you on like, yes, I can see a difference. And I posted those first pictures and a woman said to me, I am a physical therapist that specializes in treating women with lipedema. Have you been evaluated for that? Because you look to me like you had it. And my very first thought was, no, I'm just fat. Like that is how we've been programmed our entire lives. It's our fault. You're not doing something right. You need to eat less and move more. Like that's why I joined this program. But I started looking it up because I'm a medical person. My background is, is nursing. I was an emergency nurse. I worked at our hospital here for 23 years. And about 15 minutes into this journey, I thought, oh, I have this. Like, I know I have this. So lipedema is, I'll do the nutshell. It's kind of hard to, to go into all of it. It's very complicated. But it is a connective tissue circulatory disorder that affects mostly or most commonly the legs, like the, from the hips down to the ankles, sometimes the upper arms. Um, there is a circulatory component where your circulation's not working right. And so you get some pooling of fluid in those areas. And then there's a connective tissue component that makes your cells leaky. So that fluid makes its way into your cells, primarily your fat cells, and it turns into a gel. And that gel actually is unable to leave those tissues. So instead of flowing out freely like your regular fluid would, it stays in there and then more comes and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And over time that forms scar tissue and that gel gets hardened like concrete and you end up with these lumpy, painful, scarred, difficult places in your body that then um, affects your mobility. It affects your size. Um, obviously as it's swelling these fat cells, it makes you look like you are fat. Um, but this fat is absolutely unaffected by diet or exercise. So once it is in there and has formed, you can't lose it through the traditional methods that people lose it. So that is kind of a nutshell of, of lipedema. It's almost exclusively in women because it's hormone mediated and it seems to be estrogen driven or mediated. It frequently comes on at times of puberty or menopause or childbearing, those times when our hormones change. The men that have it usually have hormone um, disbalance and they usually have extra estrogen and low testosterone. Um, and it's frequently, like you said, misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. Most physicians do not learn about this in medical school. Um, so they're unaware that this is even a condition. And because of the fat discrimination in our country and in our world, um, the women who go seeking treatment are usually just told, you're fat, you'll be better off if you lose weight, your pain will go away, even though they can't, you know, and they get so frustrated and so upset. And most of us also have co-morbidities and co-obesity with it because it is not obesity, but because of the decrease in mobility and because of the swelling and because of the difficulty that that causes, the pain allows us, we can't exercise or 
or walk like we normally would because of the discomfort. You get a lot of depression and emotional disorders with this. We get eating disorders with this. Um, so frequently we have other things going on as well um, once the lipedema progresses to a later stage. So that started my journey. Um, and that's how I got to where I started looking for what was wrong with me. And I found out about lipedema and started now on this lipedema awareness journey and this health journey as well. Well, I'm really glad that you're bringing this to light on my show, especially since, I mean, we we, we promote a whole food plant-based lifestyle and we are so used to hearing doctors don't learn about this in medical school or this in medical school, you know, and you could even go into the, uh, Harvard medical books that are over a thousand pages long and not see anything about diet and, and heart disease and, and, you know, really very much of it. So, so then when you hear just another thing that these doctors are not learning about, and even, I mean, there are weight loss surgeons, right? Yeah. Shouldn't they know about this, right? They should. So I was at a conference and I stood up and said, how many doctors know about lipedema, you know, and, and how you manage that and, and the weight gain that is associated with lipedema. And the doctors in that conference said, no, you know, we, we haven't heard of it, but we can still do gastric bypass surgery and take care of the extra weight on those patients. And the truth is they can't because then you have a decrease in calories. Say maybe you're eating 500 calories a day. Now you're starving yourself to death, but that lipedema fat will remain unchanged. And so then most frequently those women are told you must be cheating on your way of eating and on your diet, because if you were not, you would be decreasing in size. So there, you know, this was a room full of physicians and, and in fairness, they haven't learned about it. They don't right. understand it, um, but that, that needs to change. This was first recognized and diagnosed in 1940 at the Mayo Clinic by a physician there. And even the doctors at the Mayo Clinic, there was recently a poll done there and those doctors had not heard of lipedema either. And that's where it was actually found um, for the first time and documented, so. Oh, I'm it just, it, it's just another thing in this crazy system that just makes me angry. Because, well, I went to Thailand yeah. to try mm -hmm. to find out what was wrong with me in, in the middle of all of this. And I, and one of the doctors here in my local town, I, I sent him a message and I said like, sorry, ahead of time for the underwear pictures, <laughs> you know, apologize to your wife, but I've heard that maybe I have lipedema. What do you think? And he had heard about it. He was a vascular surgeon and he's one of, uh, one of the doctors that had heard about it. And he said, I think that you're probably right. I think you do. You need some compression garments to kind of help manage it until you can get evaluated. So I went to Thailand and I said, I have lipedema and I'm looking for compression. And that doctor said, that does not exist. That is just something that a small group in the U.S. says exists to help fat people feel better about being fat. So that is the pervasive attitude in a lot of our medical community. I mean, and that's the medical community. So where do you go for help if you are a woman who thinks you're suffering with this and, and even the medical community won't listen without shaming you? So it is important that we change that and we change the knowledge about this. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm so, I'm hoping that there's somebody out there that, that is, has been searching for answers and stumbles upon this because it is just so important. And we, 
and we depend so much upon the medical professions to guide us. And especially like we were saying, if you if you were struggling with weight and you would go into a, a weight loss clinic or, or, or for some kind of weight loss surgery, you would definitely expect to see one of those doctors, especially to be familiar yeah. with this. So we really just need to get the word out. And oftentimes I'll have people who will report to me that they have adopted a whole food plant-based lifestyle and they're still struggling. And now after learning about this, I'm thinking back and wondering, there could be some of those people that have that so had this. Let me tell just about just a really quick rundown of some of the symptoms so that if someone yes. thinks they have it, they have this under their belt. So one is there's usually a disproportion between the size of the lower part of your body and the upper part of your body except for maybe your upper arms. It depends on where you have it. So um, if you have lipedema in like your, your hips and your legs down to your ankles, they will generally be larger than the top. So I had a size 10 top and a size 16 bottom, you know, like this. So a little bit of discrepancy is, is sometimes just how we're built. But if you notice a real difference or if you the only place you lose weight are the places you don't look like you need it and all of your extra fat places are the places that never lose weight, that could be lipedema. It frequently also has a cuff at the ankle. Not everyone has it, but with lipedema, your feet do not get fat. So with regular obesity, we get fat everywhere. Our hands and our feet get larger. But with lipedema, the feet are unaffected. And there frequently looks like there's a rubber band around the ankle and the fat kind of starts to balloon over that. Um, so in later stages, is obviously harder to see earlier on. But if you're getting thickening of those ankles and those lower legs, but your feet look normal and your hands look normal, that's another possibility. It's also you feel a lot of heaviness, like you're wearing weights on your legs or maybe water balloons on your legs. There's a lot of swelling, but it's not the kind that pits where you push it necessarily and you make a dent, but your legs feel like they're filling with fluid and that you're pulling that extra weight around. Um, so if, and, and there's also the, the fat, if normal obesity is usually the fat is more even and is kind of tight, the, the body or the leg looks smooth and tight. But with lipedema, if you have a lot of lumps and bumps and it's very disproportionate, you can see shelves like up in the hips. Um, and on the thighs, really big saddlebags, like it's not um, even proportionate fat. So, right. And it and for people that that don't think that they have it, it's still great to for you to bring the awareness to this because there's so much shaming going on in our society, yeah. and it could possibly be that we may have run across people with this. They and think maybe. up to 10% of women, especially at least in this country and in Europe, have lipedema. So we have run across women with this because that's one out of 10 of us have it in some form. So, yeah, that, that, and, and some, some may be in more advanced, there's, there's stages, right? It's phases there are of stages. It? So in the very first stage in stage one, I mean, everybody starts in stage one and, and moves on. And so you won't necessarily visually be able to see that. Or people will say, oh, they don't look that bad. You know, like that's what I heard all my life. You don't look that bad. And the point had nothing to do with how fat I was or wasn't or how bad or good I looked. It was that my body was not matching my effort. It wasn't responding the way normal bodies responded to different things, to exercise and to food. And so I knew something was wrong in my body, even though visually you couldn't see it. Those stages, then visually it gets more and more obvious as you go on and as those, um, that tissue accumulates on those parts of your body. 
So did you have anybody in your family that you think may have had this? So it is familial. Um, it's kind of hard to tell now. My mother and my sister that were closest to me and closest in age are actually not living anymore. And so it's kind of hard to evaluate them. Even looking back, I think my sister might have had a touch of it. But my dad's side of the family, again, not living anymore. But my dad said, oh, we used to make fun of my sister and call her piano legs. Um, and my mother was in a wheelchair at a certain point and we didn't know why, you know, like there. So I feel like it probably came down at least from my father's side of the family, if not also somewhat from my mother's side. But it's hard. Like I said, in the retrospect, no one knew about it. And so now it's hard to kind of you can look back and see pictures, um, but they were usually pretty well covered. So it's kind of hard to tell exactly. And, and you really can't do it simply on visual. Now, usually there are some people that it's pretty obvious they have lipedema, but to get fully diagnosed, you need to go and, and have someone who is skilled in it actually do the diagnosis because there's some manual things they need to do. There's questions they need to have answered. You know, there's other things that could be going on. So. Oh, yeah. And maybe later we can talk about some resources for people because, because there are so many medical professions that don't know about it. It's probably challenging to find somebody who... It is. And there is a lipedema provider directory. We can talk about that or provide a link um, afterwards for that for people to look for um, a healthcare provider, whether that be a physical therapy office, a vascular surgeon, or a regular physician that can diagnose that. There is a, a directory for that. And I wanted to say something when you're talking about stages and not being able to visually see it. Like when I was having all of this difficulty, I was still early stage two and not very large. Like no one would have recognized just from looking at me in my clothes that I had this issue. So I was already having such difficulty with mobility and pain and aching and difficulty with my legs moving. And I wasn't, it wasn't because I was an advanced stage. So your symptoms can be regardless of your size, you can have significant symptoms. So that's when I started on this whole food plant-based. Well, first it was an anti-inflammatory diet, a RAD diet, which is rare, um, a rare adipose disease diet. And it's very similar to a plant-based diet, but it does include some like anti-inflammatory fish, you know, like a um, fatty fish. It includes yogurt, and a couple like some olive oil and a few other things but the rest of it is primarily plant-based it's about a 90 percent plant-based diet and that's what i started on and eat in the first two weeks i was able to lose 11 pounds and obviously not a fat in in two weeks but of inflammation and my legs went from swollen and big and lumpy and just really not attractive looking. I mean, not meaning that for like looks, but just meaning like you would tell something was wrong with them to actually decreasing that swelling, smoothing out and having all of that inflammation be pulled out of those tissues. Um, it was amazing. The visual transformation just from switching to an anti-inflammatory way of eating. So that's what got me started on this journey. Wow. I just wanted to back up a little bit because you talked about the hormones and that yes. it, it could quite, quite possibly be related to, yes. to hormones. So, and you, and you're saying that you, you had that symptom where you said, Hmm, something's wrong. So looking back with your hindsight now, when do you think it might have developed in for well, you? Well, 
so generally it develops at puberty. So most of the people who have it have had some sort of development beginning in puberty. But then um, when you are going to notice the changes would be then other times of hormonal change. Not always. Um, I mean, inflammation, it's inflammatory driven. So inflammation can cause that as well. If you have periods of high stress, high cortisol levels, things like that could trigger it. Um, but also pregnancy is really common. Um, but I didn't ever get pregnant. I've never had children. So I didn't have that change. Um, I had endometriosis when I was younger, which is another kind of a female condition that often goes along with lipedema. So I was on hormones, like oral hormones. I never took the week off, like they're birth control style pills, but I never took that week off. So I never had a period since I was 28 years old which I think is what kept me at an early stage too until I was 50 years old because I never had that change in hormones because I was taking them orally myself. Um, I feel like had I had children, had I not been on those hormones, had I gone through menopause, I, we don't even know if I'm in menopause yet because I have continued to take those hormones. Um, so I think that that was actually pretty instrumental in me being able to be such an early stage at such a late time in life. Hmm. But your body does start changing, regardless of taking oral hormones. I was reaching 50. Um, and I think just the accumulation and the, probably the decrease in my own hormone levels um, were probably causing a change in my body. And they don't know. It's not necessarily an increase in estrogen or a decrease. It's a change. They're not sure what that means. They're not sure how to modulate that at this point. But, you know, like puberty and childbearing and menopause are all very different hormonally, um, but it seems to be the change that triggers it and not necessarily the level of hormones that you have. Wow. And then you talked about how this can contribute to depression and, yeah. and other things that you want to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, for, for various reasons. I mean, a lot of times you are overweight with lipedema mostly when you get into later stages even though it's not has nothing to do with fault it's not our fault at all we have accumulated that disease tissue in our fat cells and we are now large and i think that that self-esteem the loss of self-esteem that goes with not having control over your body and having your body change in a way that is not socially acceptable in our culture um, can be devastating i think also the loss and lack of control and being able to figure out how to manage it. Um, you're being belittled by the healthcare um, when you're going in and they're saying, you know, this isn't a thing. It's just trying to make fat people feel better about being fat. I feel like that, that just over and over and over again, your loss of control over your body, your lack of respect from people outside and your loss of hope that you can do anything to change this. Um, really, really affects people on an emotional level. I mean, there's, there are people are, have been suicidal. I'm sure there have been people that have taken their own life because of um, this and how it affects your life. Your decrease in mobility, then again, it, it doesn't allow you to exercise the way that um, you might. And, and exercise has a lot to do with our mental health and our emotional well-being. Um, you know, socialization, you find yourself isolated, want, maybe because of shame, maybe because you can't go out and do the things your friends are doing. So the isolation also adds to the emotional upset and to the depression. Lack of sunlight, you know, lack of just being outdoors and being able to do things there, I think also contributes to that. It's really just a global 
a global response. And most of us have eating disorders. You know, I tried being anorexic when I was young and not eating, but I still continued to gain weight. I was eating 500 calories a day. That was it in high school. And I felt like I was failing at being anorexic, which was crazy. So I started being bulimic because I thought, well, at least I can eat. And then I enjoyed eating, but then I'll just get rid of everything I ate. But no matter what I did, that that body system continued to do what it was doing. And so now, you know, I, I don't give into those urges, but I still have eating disorders. It's an addiction, just like any other addiction. And so I will struggle with that my entire life because all I was being told and all I believed was you are eating too many calories and not exercising enough. I had an exercise addiction. I exercised four or five hours a day, every day after school and ate 500 calories a day and I continued to gain weight. So those things will all, all chip away at your self-esteem and your self-worth um, and just feeling like you're failing where everybody else is doing fine um, is a hard thing to, to do, but, but knowing, so the thing about knowing you have lipedema, it can be very upsetting for people. I mean, I, I know you said as you were looking into this, you got upset and you don't even have it, right? But it, it can be very upsetting, very overwhelming. Um, and when you find out you have it, there is fear. You realize if there's no cure for it, like there's a lot of things that enter into that. But it's also freeing to know that you are not a failure. This is not your fault. You've not done something wrong. This is your body. And there are ways to do conservative management, which is part of what led me, again, down this journey of, of health and diet and exercise. And, you know, there are things we can do to be as healthy as we can be for the rest of our lives. So there is hope in it. It just what you have to get out of the rabbit hole that you get into in the beginning and, and realize that there is, there is strength and power in knowledge and knowing what we have is better than not knowing. And then we can educate other people as well. So beautifully said. So you adopted that that lifestyle that was kind of close to plant-based. And then what happened? I quickly went to plant-based. Well, part of it is I don't have the availability of oily fish in Nepal, <laughs> really. So uh, while I could eat it, I really didn't have it available. Um, and the same, like I found that without the oil, I lost more weight um, because there is less calories in food with no oil. Um, and I found that my inflammation was less if I stayed away from some of those foods. Again, um, dairy is not really something there. I always also sort of suspected that I had a sensitivity to dairy and to gluten. So a gluten-free diet is something else that I do. Um, yeah. So, and then I took a sensitivities test, a food sensitivities test and eggs was on the list. So that kind of also removed one of the only other animal products that was on that list. So I just decided I'm going to do this. You know, here is my minimum. My minimum was this, this anti-inflammatory rad diet. Like I have to at least fall within this. If I cheat at all, or if I take a day off, at least I'm going to, I can incorporate those foods that are in there, but I'm not going to go outside of this realm. But I'm pretty stubborn, and so I kind of went to the other extreme, and, and I adopted a complete whole food plant-based diet. Um, I did that really militantly for a couple of years. Um, I now am about a 98% whole food plant-based diet. Occasionally, if I go out somewhere, I don't worry always about the olive oil or something if I'm going out. You know, I've allowed myself to relax a little bit just so I can be social. But when I have control over my own food, I eat a whole food plant-based diet. So, And I don't eat meat or anything like that. I mean, that's something that I did not ever put back into my diet. So, 
Oh, so how did you find out about the whole food plant-based diet then? That's a really good question. Um, and I think that some of it was probably in the rabbit hole of the lipedema groups. And there are there's some lipedema, like nutrition for lipedema groups, and there are some vegans with lipedema groups. And I think that as I started looking at this, I realized a lot of them do keto. And keto does help. It helps with weight loss and it helps with inflammation. So I can't fault anyone that is choosing a diet that's helping them. But for me, I, one, I really wasn't comfortable eating animal products to that extent. Um, I, I really like not eating animals, but just go to the strict health implications. I don't feel like a ketogenic diet is the overall healthiest way to eat for our cardiovascular system, for like for our, all of the rest of our systems. And I was not really willing to put my other systems at risk to treat this one thing that I have. And so I wanted to make sure whatever I was doing was going to be beneficial across the board for my body. And what I found in my research was that a whole food plant-based diet is very anti-inflammatory and it's also really good for your cardiovascular system and your brain and all of those things. So um, I just, I'm a nurse, you know, and, and a scientist at nature. And I just put all of those things together. I did a deep dive into all of those different lifestyles and diets and I pulled out what I believed was the healthiest and I think that is whole food plant-based. Yeah, we we sometimes talk about the keto diet on my broadcast and in what the general consensus is is that it makes people give up processed food. Yeah. Right. And so that that could be one thing. one component of their success yeah. at least short term. Of course, yeah. you know, it's going to affect those vital organs and and processes yeah. and systems so yeah. but that that's why people are going to see that that immediate success is because they're giving up the processed food but that's what we do with the whole food plant-based diet we exactly. give up the, the processed food as well exactly and that is key so i'm actually here in the u.s right now and processed food has made a small um i don't know has reintroduced itself socially as i've been out with people a little bit more like so we're going to go out to eat. And so what do I have? And, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll do my best. But within that, the food is more processed than I would normally eat. So, you know, maybe I'm eating a because uh, like the, the beans at Taco Bell are vegan. Right. So then I end up eating a black bean taco or something if I'm out with my friends. And that's the only thing I do. But that is still processed food. That, that shell and those things that are on there is still processed food. And so I've noticed an increase in my inflammation, even though I'm still eating better then probably 95 to 98% of the people I know, even as I'm eating right now in the US, but that's been enough to increase my inflammation. And my legs have gotten a little bit bigger. I can feel them tingling and kind of swelling a little bit more. And it's time to get, take the bull by the horns and just cut out any of those little, those treats, you know, I, you kind of miss it. Sometimes you just want to feel normal. You want to eat like everybody else, but there are consequences and you have to kind of weigh your pros and cons. But having lipedema. If I had nothing, I would probably be okay with it. But the fact that I know I have something that I need to work to control keeps me honest and gets me back on that whole food plant-based path pretty quickly. Yeah. Thanks, Sid. I bring whole food plant-based snacks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> a great idea. Yeah. I, I usually carry a baked sweet potato with me whenever wow. I go out. And you can eat it like an apple and it's cold. And to me, I've they're done delicious. That too. I have done that. <laughs> so you adopted the lifestyle and, and now you're more in tune with your body and, you're, and you can sense that when you're making 
deviations that you're 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 realizing that that things that you might have felt before but weren't aware of it and now you're feeling it absolutely and i feel better than i felt 10 years ago you know like that's why i did this fit fierce and fabulous over 50 because i hit 50 and was miserable and i made this switch in that 50th year and i feel great compared to that and I you look, look better. Yeah, I look better. <laughs> I feel better. Now, in fairness and, and full disclosure, I had surgery to remove the lipedema tissue in my legs because that is the only thing. There's no cure, but in order to increase the mobility and to take out the scar tissue, like the only way to treat that is to remove that tissue, the disease-hardened scarred tissue, and start over. And that's what I did. It's expensive and it's painful. Um, but I did have that surgery on my upper arm. So I've got compression sleeves on. You can see people probably think they're my cool tattoos. But they're yeah, actually they do look like cool tattoos. They're actually medical compression. And I wear them on my arms and my legs. Now, I don't wear the cool tattoo ones on my legs, just regular <laughs> colored ones. But um, yeah, so, you know, I, I have both my arms and my legs I had surgery on. It released all of that scar tissue. I have more scar tissue than fat. Um, so my fat tissues didn't build up so much as the scar tissue that really was what formulated from mine. So they removed all of that. And it, it was about a one to two year recovery process after they did that. It was pretty brutal, but, um, I decided then this is what I'm doing. I am going to maintain my health and I'm going to, to contain my lipedema from this point forward. And so far I've been able to do that. And I feel absolutely fantastic with this lifestyle, this diet um, way of eating with this way of exercising. Like I really believe that this is the way to move forward for everybody. And it's not, this is an anti-inflammatory way to live. It isn't just lipedema specific. Um, we all, like I said, anyone with, anyone with stress, which who doesn't have stress, has inflammation. Um, and that affects our bodies. Almost every major illness is an inflammation driven and largely preventable. Our cardiovascular diseases, um, some dementias and Alzheimer's, a lot of our neurological diseases, um, diabetes and insulin resistance, circulatory disorders, like almost all of those have a basis in inflammation. And if we can keep inflammation at bay, we can keep those diseases from developing cancer as well. So um, it's really important, I said, even if you don't have lipedema, to find an anti-inflammatory way to live and you're going to benefit from it. Right. And so in preparation for your surgery, what, what, what did you do or what would you tell someone who's going to have the surgery? To, what could they do to prepare so they could have the best possible outcome? And that's a great question because, and you know, they'll say, even in the lipedema groups, you can't lose lipedema fat, which is true, but you can lose other fat. And most of us have other fat. And especially those of us with lipedema because of the difficulties in mobility and because of the pain and the depression, a lot of us also have other weight to lose. Um, so I went about losing all of the non-lipedema fat as much as I could possibly lose so that what is left is what is diseased and they can see what to take out. Because if it's mixed in with a whole bunch of other regular fat cells, they can't remove everything. Um, and so it's going to be really difficult to separate those out and kind of see what they're dealing with and, and get the most disease lipedema tissue out as possible. So my surgeon said, you know, do what you've got to do, get down to as low as you can weight wise, and then we'll do the surgery. So that's what I did. And I was able with this anti-inflammatory way of eating 
to get below where I'd been able to be in 15 years because I kept hitting, because of this tissue, I kept hitting this plateau and like I'd go up and I'd come down, but I'd never go quite down to where I was before. And I'd go up again and then I'd come down, but not to where I was before. And so my weight was creeping up. And once I adopted this lifestyle, I managed to lose so much inflammation and regular fat that I got down below where I had been in 15 years. Um, and I adopted this whole food plant-based diet because it is a healing diet, right? Like antioxidants are in plants and almost solely in plants. There's a few in some of these fish and some of those other foods, but I would say about 98% of your antioxidants, your healing foods are in plants. And and your free radicals, your, your harming substances are in your animal-based products. And if you're eating animal-based products, the plants you're eating are spending all their time trying to counteract what the animal products are doing in your body. If you don't have the animal products in your body, those plants can start healing the things that are actually wrong with your body instead of just trying to make up for the damage that you're doing with every meal. So switching to this way of eating was the way for me to start healing my body and preparing it to actually heal and recover well. Because having this surgery is brutal. Um, I'm not discouraging anyone from doing it. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but it is also not just a quick, a simple thing. And your body needs help to heal. And so you need to just fill it with as much nourishment and healing properties as possible before you go into it to help on that healing process. So you just had the, the, the well, it, I don't know if your surgeon did more than one thing, but you just had the one event of a sur one surgery event. Is that right? I had two surgery events a week apart. And so they did, so they remove it via liposuction because that's the least invasive way. So they go inside with like a tube, they blow your body part up with water and they separate your fat and your muscle and all of that out. And then they tear up the disease, like the scar tissue and they separate out the diseased fat and then they suck it out basically is, is what they do. Um, so I had hips to knees on the first surgery. So from my basically right below my waist down to above my knees all the way around um, on my first surgery. And then one week later, which I was still, you know, I mean, you're still in full compression yeah. and you're blues and you're, yeah, it's terrible. But I, I came from Nepal. They don't normally do it that fast, but I was visiting. Uh, and then he did lower legs. So knees to ankles and upper arms. But because my upper arms were big, a lot of times lipedema is paired with other things. One of those things is called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and it is a loose connective tissue. Like you're loose. Everything's loose. Your skin is loose. Your joints are loose. Like there's lots of looseness in your connective tissue. So my arms, when he removed that tissue, I just had skin hanging down there. And he said, because of your condition, that skin is not going to tighten back up. So they removed that excess skin. So I do have an incision. This one they didn't do just through liposuction. I have an incision from elbow to armpit. And they removed all that tissue and just sewed it back together. So those were my two events within one week of each other. And they took, they told me the legs will take a year to heal. And I thought, there's no way the legs are going to take a year to heal. And they did. And the arms took over two years to heal. So, yeah. So you wouldn't normally recommend for somebody to do surgeries a, a week apart like you did. No, because you were no on they, the do time sometimes, they usually do at least like a month or two, sometimes yeah. even longer than that, depending on the person. Um, and, and like I said, that's something to work with the doctor on, but no, that isn't, it's, it's, it's okay. You can do it. He wasn't doing anything wrong, but it was, the upside was, I'm not sure it was so painful. I'm not sure I would have gone back if I had too long to think about it. 
I was already there. I'd already paid for it. I was yeah. already prepared. And so I think that um, maybe that was helpful. I'm not sure. I don't know how long I would have to go. Now I would go do it again. But I think that was four years ago. So it took me about four years before I said I would do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what a lot of women talk about childbirth in that way, too. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. I, well, I don't know about that. But I was going to yeah. say, at least you have a baby at the end. Right. The in the end. Right. You have something Actually. positive in the end. And for you, you have something positive in the end, too. So you can kind of. Yeah. I have a body that, that works that a lot more normally than it did before. I have a yeah. body that is more responsive. And part of it is just because I know what I'm what I'm dealing with and I know how to deal with it, you know. Yeah. I'm so I'm so glad that you shared that, you know, because if there are people out there that are that are looking for answers, they may not find them. You know, when I was trying to do some research on the Internet, I wasn't really finding very much. And some of it didn't sound like it was right. And it (sighs) probably isn't, you know, but I have I have at least five or six friends who since I have become so open about my journey and like posting just, I mean, on lipedema awareness month, which was June and different things that I've had about six friends that have been diagnosed with lipedema since I've been started posting because they realize now, Hey, that sounds like me, or that sounds like my mom. And we've had about six people just from me alone, um, coming forward and saying, I have this and, and getting treatment for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's just, it's so important because we have people that will chat in the broadcast or, or that that they're struggling with things and they don't know. So this is so important to know. And, and you know, we're not ashamed to have diabetes and we're not ashamed to have cancer and we're not ashamed to have whatever it is. So why do we need to be ashamed of having this? And and that's what, because it includes uh, our bodies looking like we're overweight, it, it involves a lot of shame. And we just need to get awareness out so that there isn't this shame and the stigma against people struggling with any kind of weight disorder. There's lipedema is not the only quote unquote fat disorder. There are other things that causes very similar symptoms. And so we need to normalize that so people don't have to hide. So I wanted to, I mean, some of the things that we've been talking about have not, not been happy things, although sure. we were having a happy outcome. And, <laughs> and I was, like I said, when I was looking and researching this topic, it, it, there were times when I just had to stop and, and, and walk away because I was just seeing, seeing a lot of despair and it really, really was, I was, it was getting to me, but I'm, but seeing you and, and you're sharing these, this hope for people. It's so, it's so important. It means so much. I wanted to share a picture that you shared with me. Okay. Okay. And you know what I'm talking about, right? So let's see if we can get this up. So you, can you talk about that? Oh yeah. That is me at, well, that was last May, like a year ago, May. Um, and I am at the summit of Kalapatar Mountain, which is over 18,000 feet elevation. I believe it's 18,300 feet elevation. Um, that, that was the day after I reached Mount Everest Base Camp. Um, so the, the base camp at Mount Everest in Nepal. And after that, we woke up at 4 a.m. the next day and summited this mountain um, nearby. And yeah, I was 54 in this picture. Um, and you know, I, I was four years before that having trouble getting off the couch. Um, so really proud that I was able to get to this point in my life now. And all of this has been because of diet and lifestyle change, plus the surgery for the lipedema as well. But 
That, that is just so encouraging. So wonderful. Oh, and Angela Fischetti said, yay for Karen. Karen, <laughs> climb girl, keep climbing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I live in the place with the, with like 12 of the 14 highest mountains on the planet, right? Mount Everest is the highest place on earth. And so I want to be able to get to those heights, right? So yeah, figuratively and really. So. Yeah. I, d I was so glad that you, when I saw that picture that you shared and I said, oh, I definitely have to share this with people that yes, there, there's another side, you yep. know, there, there, there's a book a long time ago called the other side of the mountain. And that's what I feel like that you're on yep. the other side of the mountain. Well, so. and I'll tell you what, and you know, there was still, you know, our bodies are capable, they're capable things that we have on us. And so I, I want to, I want to caution people not to think, even if you find out you have lipedema, not to be like, well, now I can't do that because I have lipedema. So oh. I summited Mount Kilimanjaro the year before my surgeries and before I found out I had lipedema. Now it was harder and this was much better because I was on this anti-inflammatory journey and I'd had my surgeries, but I still managed to get myself to the top of the highest freestanding mountain in the world, which is Kilimanjaro, um, even with my lipedema. Um, so you know, don't, don't let a diagnosis or a condition define you and define what you can do. Really, our bodies are amazing things. And I think our minds are amazing things. And it is amazing what we can accomplish if we don't get in our own way by assuming that we have limitations that maybe we don't have. So, yep, that's so applicable to so many things. Not, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So you wrote a wonderful book and, and let's, let's show everybody. Look at that. Here we go. It's called Fit, Fierce, and Fabulous Over 50. And, and this, yeah. well, and it's the, the secret to lifelong health, energy, and weight management through anti-inflammatory intermittent fasting for women. So this is not lipedema specific. This is how to get your energy back, how to have health your whole life, how to keep your weight at a healthy weight, and how to be anti-inflamed. Um, that's what this lifestyle is. And it's all about anti it's all about intermittent fasting it's also about anti-inflammatory diet um and it's about how you can do either one of those things by themselves um but i have found that the most benefit doing them in combination with one another so it goes through all of the steps of that in this book and and how to pick what's right for you in your way of eating and i've had people say well i am not gonna stop eating you know chicken or whatever but that, that's okay but you can still take away things out of this book. Um, and you can still eat in a more anti or a more anti-inflammatory way, no matter how we're eating. Most of us can tweak that a bit and start adding some more healing properties into our lifestyle and into our diet. So, yeah. And you also have wonderful recipes in the book as well, 50, right? 50 plant-based <laughs> recipes right there. And you're going to share one with us today, right? I am. Are you going to, are you ready for me to do we that? We are getting ready for that. So which one are you going to share? Which recipe? So I'm going to share the plant-based, the lentil shepherd's pie. So all of the recipes in this book are plant-based. Um, they are all mostly what you would consider whole food plant-based. There's no um, processed food in here. I do not have, I don't cook with oil in the book. The only exception is there's a couple of things I'll say like, there's a couple of Asian dishes that say, if you want to add a couple of drops of sesame oil for flavor, you can omit that if you don't. So it's very customizable. The thing about this book is I wanted to show how easy it is to incorporate more plants into your diet, um, that it doesn't have to be complicated. 
You don't have to have fancy ingredients. I make most of these meals, including the shepherd's pie in Nepal, in the village without running water, you know, nine miles from the border of Tibet. And I make shepherd's pie. Now I make deconstructed shepherd's pie because I don't have an oven. So I make mashed potatoes and then I make the filling and I pour it on top and like I make my own thing. But I just wanted to show how easy, tasty, simple and uncomplicated adding plants to your diet can be. So well, these I, I am all about these easy recipes. I have a, a playlist on my YouTube channel called, Hey, I can make that. This and, is super easy. <laughs> and so <laughs> this would be going on that playlist because, and that's what a lot of times people have that objection. Oh, I don't know how to cook. I can't. So now they can't, they can't say that anymore because if you can do it in Nepal, <laughs> you can do it anywhere. Yes. Anyone can I do it. Literally can make almost all of these in the village. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to have the link to the recipe in the show notes for everybody. So don't worry about writing things down. Just in, sit back and enjoy. And let's get started with this cooking demo. All right. And while we're at it, I'm going to check. So I'm as as Corinne is setting up her camera, I'm going to do a solo view for you so that you don't get dizzy while she's changing camera views. That around. would be great. And I'm just so glad that all of you are here watching and supporting Corinne. We've had a lot of nice things that people have been saying, encouraging Corinne, and it's been so nice that that people are watching and, and, and liking everything. So if you have a question for Corinne, oh, I wanted to say, Angela said, Corinne has a wonderful attitude. This can only help the healing process. That's very beautiful, Angela. That's sweet. She's she's my sister from another mister, but not <laughs> but not really. But that's how we joke. <laughs> yeah, and um, so and we're going to be sh showing the recipe in the show notes. If you guys have any questions for Corinne, type them in the comments, and she would love to answer them for us. And she, I think she's about almost ready. I am. We're just going to have to kind of turn it on and see what happens. Okay. I'll let's see where we're at and see how it looks. Okay. We'll let's make see. it work. Let's see. Okay. All and right. I'm going to put her, I'm going to put her on screen solo so you can see it bigger. That would be great. All right. So hi everybody. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'll do my best. So I am a professional person, but I'm not a professional online um, cook. So um, all right, I'm going to show you the things that we're going to need for this recipe. The very So I went ahead and cheated a little bit today, and I made mashed potatoes ahead of time. So that's something you can do. You can keep them in your refrigerator, and then you can use them for various dishes. So all I did is I used mashed potatoes, a little bit of plant milk, some pepper. Um, if you want to use salt, I said that's certainly optional. You can do that, or miso paste if you want a little bit of a salty flavor. But that was it. I used plant milk and potatoes. Um, we also have some mushrooms. We have some onion, um, about one small onion, one carrot, um, peeled and, and we're going to chop everything up. I'm going to use a, I forgot the word. Sometimes my English gets out. Oh, food processor. Um, just to make it easier, you could certainly do this by hand. I practiced chopping a carrot last night online and thought maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Um, I also have some garlic and basically you can just do all of this together in your food processor and chop it up. So that's what we're going to do. All right. And let's see if we can get you to my food processor there. 
I think that's in the picture. I'm having a hard time seeing it. it's pretty small, but I'm just putting in onions and a carrot and about, these are really small cloves of garlic. So I did some extra, but I think it calls for about four cloves of garlic. I'm going to do that first. I don't want to pulverize my mushrooms. So let's okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to mute you while you blend and chop. So this way we can see it happening, but we don't have, in case anybody's wearing earbuds, they won't be affected by it. And that's what I like to do. Okay, I unmuted you. Okay, because now I'm going to throw in the mushrooms. And I'm doing those after just because the, I didn't want to pulverize the mushrooms. The other things I had in there were a little bit um, harder than the mushrooms. And so you can move me again if you want. I'm going to do the mushrooms. Yes. So this is really a, a very nice recipe that you can do in Nepal if you don't have a food processor. Or you can just use the food processor here, which is very nice. Okay. All right. My back on? Yes, and you're back. <laughs> yeah, so basically, I just do it with a knife, usually, of course, but I was being fancy because I'm at a friend's house and she has a food processor. So I <laughs> All right, so now I'm going to move. And let's see, I think I can just move this arm over here. Let me see if we can see my stove. Let's see. And if any of you have any questions for Corinne, type it in the comments and yeah. we will read that to her later. All right. And so as you can see, there is my mix. It's just little pieces of vegetables all cut up. And they can be any size. I would say at least a little bit small on the small side just so that they cook quickly like the carrots and things like that. Um, and I'll show you what else we're going to need. So you just need a nonstick skillet. Um, then you don't have to use, you can just use some broth, but you don't have to use any oil. I have one can of lentils. You can certainly use dried lentils, um, but I'm trying to make this as easy as possible for everyone. So just one can of lentils, one can of diced tomatoes or crushed tomatoes. Um, we have a tablespoon of mixed herbs. I used herb de Provence this time because that's what I had, and a bay leaf in there. Um, and then we have some soy sauce. We have a little bit of um, veg broth and some cornstarch. And the cornstarch also is optional. It's to thicken it up. If you wanted to thicken more naturally, you could actually add a scoop of your mashed potatoes um, if you didn't want to use cornstarch and that would help. So, all right, we're going to get started. Is there any questions, anything that anybody I has? don't have any questions yet, so you go okay. ahead. Make sure I get the right. This is, in full disclosure, is not my house. So I have a lovely friend with a beautiful house who is actually uh, lending me her house today. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. And so, all right. So all we're going to do is I'm heating up the pan just a little bit, and I'm going to put in the vegetables. And then if they stick, um, we can add just a little bit of vegetable broth to kind of help them from sticking. Okay. Well, that looks delicious. Already looks delicious, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It smells good, too. Love garlic and onions. You're, it's hard to go wrong with garlic, onions, and mushrooms and anything. All right. And, you know, they say to eat your colors. Well, we've got a very colorful there. We've got a lot of vitamin A, really good for your skin and for your eyes and things like that. And so we're just going to start sauteing. Um, and this whole process, this is going to take about 10 or 15 minutes max, and then you're going to be ready to bake it. So. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. and while, 
and in a little bit, we're going to be playing our true or false games so that we can take up some of the time for. That's exciting. You tell, you tell me when that transition is going to be. I will. I okay. Will. That'll, you'll know it because we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And I've and I have actually uh, I've prepared food. Well, I'm SOS free, so no sugar, oil, or salt. And I don't even at this point that I've been doing it for so long since 2012. I don't even need a nonstick pan anymore. I use stainless steel, and I've been able to get it where things don't stick. And if things stick a little bit, I just put a little bit of whatever the liquid is, either yep. water or, or, or what I'm using, vegetable yep. broth, and then I deglaze it and it, and it goes on. But for yep. people that ha are not familiar with, with that, sometimes a nonstick pan is a, an easier way to go when you're transitioning. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, for me, definitely the goal is no oil. And I think that's beneficial. A lot of it, one, like you said, it has a lot less calories. Um, there's a, some controversy over olive oil, but like other oils for sure, definitely have some um, inflammatory properties in our blood vessels and things like that. So I think it's healthiest to not do the oil. But if you, if that's the kicking point for you, like the best diet is something you'll stick to, right? So if the if you say I will go 100% plant based, but I want to use olive oil, then you do you. I mean, that's that's just what I have to think. You're still better off doing it than not doing it. Don't use that as an excuse to not do it. So um, I I follow also an oil-free diet um, when I have the choice. So, But I have a friend, when I first met him, he ate meat covered with cheese and a starch. That's all. A hundred percent of the time. And um, he kept saying to me, I would never eat the way you eat. But then he was eating my food. And he'd say, man, that's fantastic. And he'd say, but I could never eat like you eat. And then he'd take another bite and say, that's so good. Um, and he decided to do a 30-day uh, plant-based challenge where he would not eat any animal products, no dairy, no meat, no oil. No, I don't think he did no oil, but he did all plants um, for 30 days. And he never went back. And he, But he does include olive oil and he includes a little bit of um, I think he does some tortilla chips, but, you know, he still eats now healthier than about 96% of anybody that I know. And so, you know, if I had told him you have to do this this way and you have no option to do it in a way that makes you happy, then he would have never stuck with it. So it's a lot better to do something you'll stick with, in my opinion. So I think that there may be somebody on that you may recognize and she had a question for you. Okay. And this was Angela Gerling. I don't oh, know if yeah. you know her. She's a good friend of mine. Hi, Angela. Yeah. Hi, Andy. So she said, Sad, I have to hop off for a work call. As always, thanks, Karen. Will you have oh. books for sale on Saturday? I guess you're having some kind of event on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so I live in a, in a village in Nepal and we have a women's group that makes uh, well, one thing we do is we make washable, reusable, eco-friendly sanitary pad kits that we donate for free to the girls in the village schools so they can go to school every day, even on menstruation. But we also make beautiful handicrafts, um, and we're selling those on a sale here in my hometown on Saturday. So that's exciting. And I'm doing a health talk as well um, next week, and one of the doctors invited me to do a talk at the hospital for his whole practice and patients and everybody at the hospital on this whole food plant-based anti-inflammatory intermittent fasting way of eating. So 
Right. And that's something that we didn't cover yet because you did say that you adopted this lifestyle, but then you found out about the intermittent fasting, right? Yes. And like I said, I think both, both of these things are, I'll move this up a little bit. Both of these things are beneficial. Um, the whole food plant-based and the intermittent fasting, and you can do either of them and get benefit, but I found the most benefit together. And so intermittent fasting is basically going through a period where there's an in, a window that you're eating and then there's a window that you're not eating, like at all. And you're allowing your body to digest. You're allowing your body to go into healing mode. There's something called autophagy, where if you fasted long enough, your body will start eating your fat cells and start cleaning up like your damaged cells and doing some rejuvenation. Um, it also is helpful with weight because you are eating for less hours of the day, um, obviously. So if the shorter period that you're eating, usually you're going to get in some less calories as well. Um, there are health benefits as far as decreased insulin resistance, decreased diabetes, like all sorts of things that have been associated with intermittent fasting. There are different ways to do it. Um, I have 10 methods in the book that I talk about very in depth to allow people to choose what's right for them. Um, I usually do like an 18-6 or 19-4, sometimes, I mean, 19-5, sometimes even a 24, which means that I'm eating for, or I'm fasting for 18 hours and eating for six. Um, and that works pretty well for me. So like, usually I will start my first, my lunch at like 1.30 and then I'll stop eating maybe at 5.30 or six in the, in the evening so I can get a lunch and a dinner. Um, and yeah, that's worked really well. Okay, I wanna show you this real quick. Can you see that that's kind of cooked down now and the onions are getting a little bit brown and everything's kind of coming together. So at this point, we're gonna throw in the herbs. So this is a bay leaf and a tablespoon of herbs. And we're gonna mix that in and just mix it up really well. We're gonna put in, this was, oh, let me grab it. This called for um, a couple of tablespoons of soy sauce. And so we're gonna do three tablespoons of soy sauce here. And just stir that up really well. Can you still see the stove? All right. And then I'm going to turn the heat down just a little bit. I kind of started this on high to get everything started, and then you can kind of turn it down to medium. Then I'm going to add in my cornstarch. I'm doing two tablespoons of cornstarch. Like I said, you could do some mashed potatoes if you wanted. Um, it's nice to have something a little bit of a thickener, and I'm going to do the tomatoes. And then we're going to mix it all together. I'll put on the lentils, and then I'll show you. And then we're done. We're going to let it cook for 10 minutes. So Angela wants to know where you live. Um, so I live when I'm in the U.S. I'm from Lawrence, Kansas. So the northeast corner of Kansas, kind of on the border of Missouri. Um, in Nepal, I live in Nepal, which is bordered on three sides by India and one side by China, the Tibetan uh, border of China to the north. And yeah, I've lived there for almost 10 years now. But when I'm back in the U.S., I'm usually in Kansas, which is where I am right now. All right. I'm going to mix this up real quick and show you. And then we're going to put the top on. I'm going to add some vegetable broth as well. All right. Now we add one cup of vegetable broth. And this is all. That's like that's all of the cooking. So we're going to let this simmer. I'll show it to you. We're going to let it simmer for 10 minutes. We're going to spoon it into the pan and we're going to bake it and we're done with dinner. So how is that for easy? 
Wow. See that? That was so nice. And I bet it smells really good. Now. It smells. And I'll let you see it. And then we'll move over and we'll do our next bit. I'm going to take us off of this so you can see it and hope I don't hit anything important. All right. Can you see that? Ooh. Wow. Look at so that's that. our filling for our lentil shepherd's pie. And I'm literally just going to give it a stir. I'm going to turn it down to simmer. Kind of a probably a medium low and just let it simmer and thicken up for 10 minutes and then move on. All right. Angela said, I'm booking a fight right now. I'll be there for leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is delicious. This is something that everyone will love. Hold on. Let me turn this down a little bit, Yeah, but it's not my stove. So I got to kind of. And what's nice about this lifestyle is you're not weighing or measuring the food you're just, you're eating yeah. until comfortably full. Absolutely. And, you know, you'll eat until your body gets the nutrients it needs. Now you have to be a little bit careful if you have an eating like a food addiction or something like that. You got to be a little bit careful. Um, I have to watch myself a little bit. I can still overeat if I'm not careful. Um, but yeah, that's the nice thing is it is just everything you're taking in is feeding your body. You know, you think I'm more hungry when I'm not eating this way because my body's still craving nutrients. And so I'm putting a bunch of sugar or oil or empty calories into it. And I'm putting a lot of calories in, but my body still doesn't have what it needs. And so if I'm eating really good foods um, and I'm letting my body heal, like through this intermittent fasting and all of that, then my body actually, um, it just gets enough. It, it decides it's had enough to eat and I'm less hungry than I was before. Same thing with the intermittent fasting. People think, oh, I couldn't go that long. I'd be hungry. And the truth is, it's not really true. As soon as I eat, I kick off my hunger for the day. So if I eat at 7 a.m., I'm hungry all day long. But when my body is in that healing mode, in that fasting mode, and it goes into autophagy, it starts eating your fat and it starts eating your unhealthy cells and it's got food. Um, and so I am not craving food until about an hour before I get to my eating window. Then I get good and hungry and then I really appreciate my meal when I eat it. Um, yeah. You know. And that's that's so true because so so many people that aren't eating in that way, they're just shoveling food in their mouth and they're not really a, a, appreciating it to the extent that they could. Yeah, if, yeah. if they were eating in a in a more. So the nice thing about this food yeah. that I was I was supposed to I was saying and then somehow got sidetracked because I do that um, when she was saying she's going to meet me for dinner or have the leftovers. This is something that everybody will like. Even your non-plant-based people will like it. It's just tasty food. Like that's the point is to be able to make things that other people will also enjoy eating. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's a challenge if you have a family or people that aren't on board and, and I, I'm not downplaying that. And sometimes you have to do what you have to do. If you know if they need to eat a piece of meat on the side, that's their business. But this is something that is tasty enough that everyone will be happy to eat it and they're not going to complain that it doesn't have meat in it. Same like if, you know, certain pastas and things like that, if you need to go that route, it's okay. People will like it. You know, you could take this to a potluck and people will eat it, even if they're not whole food plant-based eaters. It's just that good. Right. And that that's the warning that I give people. Sometimes you better make sure you bring enough <laughs> because... <laughs> I've had that way back in the beginning. I had that experience where I would say, oh, I'm going to bring some food and put it on the table for the potluck or the buffet, the family buffet or whatever it is. And then, then of course, you don't want to be the first one in line. See, wait. And, and then you go back and you say, wait a minute. <laughs> All this food here. Yeah. I made a black bean enchilada casserole the other, and I didn't get any of it. <laughs> I went back, it was gone. I was like, dang it. So, 
Yeah, so yeah. cook enough so that there'll be some for you too. <laughs> it's, a, it's possible to be that good. Mexican food is a, a no-brainer. Like that is so easy to make in a whole food plant-based way that no one will care because beans are already plant-based and, you know, people are used to beans being in Mexican food. And so rice, rice is something also, you know, I just use brown rice instead of bright white rice. But um, yeah, it's really easy to make Mexican food for people and they won't even notice because all of those ingredients are already there. They don't eat a lot of meat, you know, as it is. So, yeah. All right. So we are now transitioned to our cooking time. So if you want to do the true false. Yes, let's do that now. It's time right. for True or False on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below, and Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, so we were cooking with lentils, so let's find out about lentils. True or false, one and a half cups of lentils contains just as much protein as a three-ounce chicken breast. Hmm, let's see what the Green Warriors are going to type in there, I guess, and... What do you have to say, Corinne? All right. Well, that is true. And actually, it's a, a really a massive amount of protein. So a cup and a half of lentils, which is less than I just put into this shepherd's pie. So like I put, that was about half of that amount of lentils, of that can of lentils is 27 and a half grams of protein, which is about half of what we need in a day. So you've already covered half of your daily protein needs as your average woman just by eating a cup and a half of lentils. Yep, so true. And the protein is pretty much overrated as they've examined breast yeah. milk that has so very little protein. And that's the time of our life that we probably would need it the most. Okay, so we have one more true or false. And that is true or false. There are more than 4,000 varieties of potatoes. Ooh. Okay, Green Warriors, what's your guess? Corinne, what's the answer? Well, actually, I mean, I thought you only really needed four varieties. You need like the French fry variety and the mashed variety and maybe the new potato or the hash brown variety. Um, it is true. There are more than 4,000 varieties of potatoes. And in Peru, when I traveled to Peru, they have 3,000 varieties just in Peru alone that they grow. So. Oh, that would be fun. Different <laughs> colors, different shapes, different sizes, little purple ones and orange ones. They're like they're, It's crazy. But yeah, there's there are 4,000 varieties of potatoes on the planet. So Wow. Jesse T said, love potatoes. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's what's wonderful about this lifestyle is because as long as you prepare them in a healthy way, you can eat lots of potatoes. That's right. I also have another little book and I didn't bring it in. Um, but so speaking of, I have another little book called Plant-Based Basics. I'm sure we could put a link or something in the, yes, the playback. But um, And that is just a small, like a pocket guide. I think it has about 45 pages or something. It's a very small little book, but it is a guide on how to transition to a more plant strong diet. So just like a little companion guide to go along with the Fit, Fierce and Fabulous Over 50 or by itself, but for anybody looking to transition to more plants and not quite sure how to do that. That's yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Works. We'll have links for that definitely in Great. the show notes. My next one, Gut Health for Women, is coming out as well. That one's being worked on as we speak. And before the end of the year, I'm hoping to have that one available. So well, look at you go, huh? Get, get have all this energy to to develop you know? to, to writing books. And not only that, you're gonna be talking about it in just a few minutes about the other things that you do. So. All right. And I'm going to show you right now. I'm just mixing this. I've got 
about halfway through our simmer time. Okay. Um, can you can you see that? Yes. Mm. Nice and thick now. So basically, all I'm doing now is just letting it um, kind of cook those, make sure that the um, carrots and stuff are nice and soft. Um, but other than that, it's really it's really done. It just needs a few more minutes of simmering, and then we'll stick it in the oven. Yeah. All right. Okay, so then you're going to have just a little bit more time before before it's ready. Now, as you said, if you were if you were in uh, Nepal or you didn't have an oven, <laughs> yeah. If I was in Nepal and I didn't have an oven, I would take my I would make my mashed potatoes first, which I have done, um, and then I would just keep some in my. I do have a fridge now. I didn't have a fridge for six years, but I do have a fridge now, um, and I'll keep the mashed potatoes usually in the fridge and then I'll just take it out and make a little mashed potato boat and I'll just ladle a bunch of these lentils on the top and eat my deconstructed shepherd's pie so it works just as well that way it's just fun to you know bake it and have it get bubbly and be able to eat a square of it but um, it works just the same tastes just the same so wow that's great I love it because <laughs> sometimes that people don't want to go through the extra step of you don't doing have to. that or if, you know, yeah. Or maybe they don't want to heat up the house if it's, if it's warm or, or whatever. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great option. I said, you can microwave this. If you just cook both of these things ahead of time, you can keep them in your fridge and just, you know, microwave a big bowl of it. Just do a lentil bowl, basically a lentil shepherd's pie bowl. So. Oh, how wonderful. And you, so the, where did these recipes um come to your mind? I mean, how, how did you develop them? Yeah. So the most of them oh. are just out of my mind. Now there is a little bit of a caveat saying that I don't use recipes when I cook. Um, so I just throw things together. So when I wrote the book, I had to kind of recreate these recipes out of my brain. Um, most of them have been tried and true, but um, like I said, you can tweak things for your own taste as far as the herbs and the spices and things like that, because I don't always know exactly how much I use and I kind of want it. So I used my own recipes that I normally use, like in my head, I went online to some of my favorite um, bloggers like that do the whole food plant-based shows. Like I love um, Shane and Simple has great recipes and um, like Nikki, Ella Vegan and Nikki Vegan. Like there's lots of different ones that have really great recipes that I I will use for inspiration. So I went on their sites as well and looked at their recipes to see if they were similar to mine for some of the amounts. Like so for the herbs or the amount of soy sauce or whatever, I used some of their information because I, I always just do it as I taste and as I go. So they're kind of conglomerations of between what was in my brain and the other recipes that I could find online that were the most similar to the ones that I make. So. Yeah. I like to ask those questions because my husband, he's the principal cook now because he loves flavor. And so I was the one doing the research, trying to find out how to be SOS free and have flavor. And then he's the one that figured it out. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is that, so I would like to share the recipes on my Be Green with Amy blog. So sure. I'd like to know the measurements to tell people, well, he's, you know, like you, ah, da, 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 taste mm, a little bit more. A little bit. So uh, the times uh, that I shared these recipes, I had to take a piece of printer paper and put it over the, the, the saute pan or whatever, frying pan, whatever it is. And, and he sprinkles and then I dump it, measure it, then dump it in. And then, oh, I think I need a little bit more. Oh no. <laughs> <Get the paper laughs> back. I love it. And, 
Yeah, so it was very scientific. <laughs> yeah. I, I have done that that method of science myself. I understand. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times yeah. I did it. Like, I made some of these uh, ahead of time, and I just made them and would, like, write down. And I'd write down, you know, oh, I used a, a teaspoon of this. And then by the time I got done, I was like, no, that was a tablespoon of that or, you know. So. Yeah. And oftentimes we'll sit down to eat and he'll say, wow, this is really good. I should should have written down <laughs> what <Yeah>. I did. <laughs> All the time. And then yeah. so we batch cook and we'll freeze it. And one time we we have the, I don't know if you've seen it, they, they sell these things called super cubes. And they're made out of silicones and they look like ice cube trays, except oh. they the, the, the vessels will hold maybe a half a cup or a cup. So okay. you can have, and so it's a steel reinforced tray and you can just pour all your soup in them and then freeze them and they come out like rectangular cubes. Nice. Yeah. And then you can freeze them, you know, a bunch of them at a time. So we did that one time and, and, and on it, on, I wrote on the bag, really good soup. <laughs> Cause I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what he put in it. <laughs> I love it. All right. We're ready. Oh, Are we ready? Yes. Okay. So this is what it looks like now. Nice and thick. You can see. Oops, sorry. There we go. And then I'm just going to spoon this into a casserole dish. Hold on. I'm going to put you in my holder here. All right. Can you see me still? Yeah. It looks like it. All right. And so I just have a basic like a lasagna pan or a casserole dish. You can do this in different sizes. It doesn't matter. And I'm just going to pour it into the bottom of the pan. All right. Okay. Let's spread it out there a little bit. And then I have mashed potatoes already made. And again, those were just potatoes, plant milk, pepper, seasoning, whatever you want to put in them. And we have, we have the recipe for that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And I'm just going to spread the mashed potatoes, although this, this pan's a little bit bigger than I probably should have used. See, that's what happens when you don't do online cooking shows. <laughs> and then you try it for the first time and you realize that your size didn't work out so great. But I have one that did work out great. I'll show you in just a minute. <laughs> I don't have quite enough mashed potatoes to cover all of this, but it's but, not going to But be this issue. is reality, and this is what people, they run into. So use a little bit, use like a 9 by 13. I think this is bigger than that. Use a little bit of a smaller pan or more mashed potatoes. That's just, all right. And yeah, I'm, that would be the problem in my house. I would go to get the mashed potatoes, and they, there wouldn't be as many as I well, originally that had. That kind of what happened because I kind of ate some of them for lunch, and then there probably <laughs> was enough mashed potatoes. <laughs> but then the show was late, and I hadn't eaten yet. And by the time it happened, I think that there was less mashed potatoes. That's you caught me. Right yeah, now. Apple said there's never enough mashed potatoes. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so it's not pretty. Feel a little bad because my friend whose house I'm using, I'm leaving this one for her and her family. So I feel a little bit bad about the lack of mashed potatoes there. Oh uh, well, what it what it lacks in presentation, I'm sure it will more than make up for. All right, so here's the I'll show you the poor one, and then I'll show you the good one. So there <laughs> it is, not quite. Well, that enough. looks good. It looks good. It yeah. just it's kind of better if you have about half mashed potatoes and half of the stuff, which this mm -hmm. one didn't quite. Um, and then 
All right, we're gonna pull this out of the oven. Can you see? Oh this? yes. Hang on a sec. This one did work. So let me take this over. Okay. And this is what it should look like. Look at that. Oh, beautiful. So you can see the layer there. You've got kind of yeah. a little bit more even as far as mashed potatoes and lentils. So oh, that's you basically beautiful. just bake it until it gets kind of warm and bubbly. The mashed potatoes get a little bit golden brown on the top. Um, if it's really close to the top of your pan, then put like something underneath it in case it drips over. Because sometimes that lentil filling will drip up over. But if you have enough room in there, you don't have to worry about it. And that's it. So there's the cooked one and the uncooked one. Wow. That's great. Jesse T said, Jesse T just booked my flight too. <laughs> <laughs> I better start making more mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And, and, and it was just so, it, it really, it just flew by what you were doing. It didn't seem like it would take very much time or effort. And the, the ingredients were familiar. That's another thing that I liked about it. Because sometimes people run across these plant-based recipes and there'll be some weird things that they don't have access or don't know how to, how to get to. And it's completely customizable. If you don't like mushrooms, leave them out. If you have bell peppers on hand, add bell peppers. You know, if you want corn, add corn. A lot of times I'll throw in a cup of frozen corn or some peas or, you know, like whatever you happen to have on hand, use it. Like that's how I cook. So there is a recipe, but that is just a guideline. And basically whatever you like, put in it, whatever you don't like, leave out and it'll be fine. So. Oh, that's excellent. Yep. Apple day. We're on our way. <laughs> you, can, you can even use like white beans and you don't have to use lentils. Even you can use any kind of bean, uh, white beans, like great Northern beans work really, really well on the shepherd's pie. They're nice and soft and, um, yeah, they're really good. They take on the flavor of everything around it. So yeah, Apple said I like mashing in other vegetables with my taters, like rutabaga, carrots, parsnips, celeriac. Oh, celeriac, etc. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and or I haven't had that. Like if you're more of a low carb person and you want to do like a cauliflower mash, you can certainly do that as well. I just happen to really love potatoes, and since I've switched whole food plant based, I don't worry about carbs anymore, and so. But yeah, if you do, you know, that's great. Or if you just don't like potatoes or like you said, you want to do half and half or use what you've got on hand. So. Well, I really wanted to give you such a big thank you to you for being an incredible guest on the show today and, and sharing your remarkable journey with us. I mean, your story of, of resolving lipedema through a whole food plant-based lifestyle it's just been so inspiring and I really appreciate you sharing the story and, and that awesome recipe demonstration. And I'm really super excited to see how your story will positively impact, I'm sure, many lives. And thank you so much for being such an thank awesome you. guest on my show. Now, before I ask you to share what you do and how we can find you, we had a book giveaway for a pre from a previous guest, and, and I wanted to take the time to do that real quick so that everybody can see who won. Oh, so we had, we had Sid Nodder. She's been a guest on the show quite a few times, and she has a book called The Plan A Diet, which is really awesome. And a lot of people went and entered to the contest, the book giveaway, to see if they could win. And we're going to pick it, the winner, live on the show. Sorry. So you get to be 
with us while we do that. So we're gonna oh, we're gonna take that one off the screen and we're gonna do that. And here we go. So here we go. We're gonna click on the wheel and see who wins. And it is. Oh, someone named Karen. Okay, well, congratulations, Karen. I'm going to be notifying Sid that you are the winner, and she's going to get that book sent out to you. So that's really exciting. We'll be having more give, book giveaways and a lot of other fun things happening. So I want everybody to always stay tuned because you never know what's going to be happening on Be Green with Amy Live. So everybody, please click like to show your appreciation for what Corinne shared with us today. And Corinne, please tell us about what you do because you do lots of things and how we can find you. All right, I will. I, I wanted to say one more thing about the book, speaking of books, because we didn't really talk that much about it. But there is also sections in, in this book on specifically for women, um, like how, the kind of different health problems that we can face as we move forward and how this anti-inflammatory way of eating and this intermittent fasting lifestyle can help prevent or reverse a lot of those different things. It has sections on um, like hormones and women and, and how this can help regulate those as well, as well as the 10 different types of intermittent fasting and all of these recipes. So um, it is not lipedema specific. I know we talked a lot about that, but um, it is just women specific. You don't even have to be 50 or actually even a woman to benefit from it. But um, I just want to encourage you to kind of take a look because I feel like there's something in there for everybody. So just wanted to tell you that. All right. So now who am I? What do I do? And how do you connect with me? So my name is Corinne Feltman. Um, I work, live and work in Nepal as a cross-cultural worker there. My goal is to empower girls and women and to allow them to live lives free of marginalization and exploitation. We have programs that strengthen education. Like I have a scholarship program for 90 children, 90 at-risk children that we sent to school. We have a village women's group with 11 women who sew washable, reusable, eco-friendly sanitary pad kits. Um, and they actually donate them for free to the girls in the village schools. We gave 1,100 this year and 580 last year. Um, so they can go to school every day, even during their menstruation. That's really important. The women also make a really good wage and they can live in the village and support their families that way. They also make handicraft items. Unfortunately, we don't yet have those available online, but um, we do have that as well. And we sell those for sustainability. So um, that's what I do. I live and work in Nepal and I just spend my life trying to trying to help women and girls and vulnerable people live lives free of marginalization and exploitation, like including human trafficking and things like that. So that's what I've decided to do in the second phase of my life um, after my nursing phase. So connecting with me, um, actually, the, probably the easiest way is either Facebook or Instagram. Facebook is my preferred. Um, it's just, you know, who I am. I haven't been on Instagram that long, but Corinne Feltman author is my Instagram. Um, I also have a Corinne Feltman author Facebook page and just a regular personal Facebook page. The personal Facebook page, Corinne Feltman, is the one that will have more information and more posts about my regular life in Nepal and things like that. I do have some um, Donor C is the platform that I fundraise on. If you're interested in supporting any of the programs that I am 
um, um, involved in with the girls and the women in Nepal, just contact me, send me a direct message on Facebook um, or an email. I'll give you my email address and then I can hook you up with those donation sites and you can see if there's something that you would like to support. Um, and my, my email is ER, like emergency room. Amazon, like Amazon, the shopping, I, it was actually Amazon because I'm six feet tall. So emergency room, Amazon, ER, Amazon at AOL.com is my email and just say from the Amy show or something you can um, put on there and then let me know what you need and I'll hook you up. So I would love to connect with whoever is interested. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. And it's so lovely that you have, you're doing these things in your life to help other people and especially women, it's a, it's a very big deal. And I'd love, love to have give you this platform so that you can share that because we sometimes live in our own little bubble and we don't think about what's going on out there. And there's so many, so many areas of so many people that need our support. And that's, a, yep. that's just a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, so, I appreciate the, the opportunity to come on and reach this many people. So it is hard when you have this knowledge and you have this passion and you don't really have a place to share that. So I appreciate the opportunity to do that today. Well, wonderful. And I hope everybody shares it with someone and we can get the word out about it. Yeah. And Green Warriors, tell us what you're going to remember. What is one of your takeaways? And I would like to thank also Just Test Voice. She did the promos and she did the countdown and Just Test Voice. Tell us who's coming up next. Michelle Tree struggled with depression, anxiety, and weight gain. She knew that if she didn't take control of her life, her future health would be compromised. Hear how Michelle dug deep and embraced some new rules for living. Join us on Wednesday, July 19th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy Live. But most of all, I want to thank the audience. I want to thank all of you for showing up and liking and subscribing and sharing. We really need to get this message out about getting good health and finding ways to help other people. And as a special thank you to all of you, I'm offering you five free recipes. Just go to my website, begreenwithamy.com slash join, and I will send you five free recipes in your inbox. And that should be a lot of fun for you because we're all about cooking and eating good food. And I wanted to invite all of you to go ahead and take your right hand and grab your left shoulder and take your left hand and grab your right shoulder and squeeze because that's a hug from me to you and from me to Corinne. (laughs) And if you guys want to join me and Corinne as I sign off with my tagline, you can type it in the comments. Are you ready, Corinne? I'm ready. Okay. Until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. green. <laughs> Thanks, Corinne. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green.